Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today we have the privilege of listening in on a recorded session of Brian live at our Mastermind Summit. This once-a-year event in sunny San Diego is designed to help you become your best self with strategies for reaching your full potential. Let's listen in to Master Motivator Brian Buffini. All right. Take a seat. Take a seat. Okay. A lot of big talk, talking about purpose. I want you to think about it. I want you to challenge yourself. You will be challenged. But you cannot go, I don't know what my purpose and everyone else in the room does. I stink. There must be something broken and wrong with me. As you pursue your purpose, you get clarity on your purpose. It will become clear. It never becomes perfect. And it will show up in different ways, in different stages, in different times in your life, in different seasons in your life. Does this make sense? It looks differently when you're a single person and you're starting out. It looks different when you engage in a relationship or you have a family. It looks different before you start a business, when you have a business, or after maybe perhaps you sell a business. It's the different stages in your life. So it's a constant program. Here's what I would say. Refining your purpose is like working on your budget. It needs a little adjusting all the time. But it's what keeps you on the rails. Does that make sense? And it's a big question. The most successful book in the last 15 years in America is The Purpose Driven Life. 60 million copies. And the question is, what on earth am I here for? Now, what's interesting about the book is the answer to the book is the opening sentence in the book. And there's four words. Now, you need to read the rest of the book, but I will say, if you just got the four words, you get the whole thing. So this book has sold 60 million copies because people want to know, what on earth am I here for? The purpose-driven life. I'd like to have a purpose-driven life, so I'll buy a book about it. And the opening of the book says, it's not about you. Now, in today's day and age, you would never think a book that starts out like that would be successful. But you know what? People do want the real stuff. We all want the real stuff. So I'm going to walk you through this. In the spiritual side of the world, the most frequent asked questions by people who come from the faith community will be on the internet, what's God's will for my life? So they're trying to find what's my purpose, and they're trying to do it in a context of seeing what God has in store for them. When you see all the lists of the things that people are asking all the time, whether it's this sense of meaning, that raison d'etre we talked about, like, what am I here for? What, what am I supposed to be doing? Now, I will say this, it's a very complicated thing, and I'm not going to answer this entire complexity in a 50-minute section with you. Okay? So it might be, who am I to be first, long before what am I to do? You know, there's four or five different elements of this whole thing we call purpose. I'm going to focus on one. I'm going to focus on the easiest part, which is the doing part. Now, to me, I love the fact you guys represent this huge community of people who desire to grow. You're fortunate enough to have a seat to be in here. There's thousands of people, as you know, who want to be here. But you are representative of those folks and in your own life because you are people who want to grow. How many of you have gone on an airplane to get here? Let me see your hands. I mean, that is an act of faith these days. Right? It's such a pleasurable experience now. Or just travel in general is so much more of a challenge. And going through it and shutting off your lives and you have transactions that are exploding. Some of you have been working with a buyer since 1979, but they wanted to write an offer this morning while you're here. Some of you had a transaction and you foolishly said, this one's put away, and it turned out this morning it wasn't. And Freddy Krueger arose. 
it's hard to work on yourself and grow. And I know you guys do. And as you grow yourself, so the first thing to me is, it's who you are. Who you are is the first part of your purpose and who you become. And then it becomes about what you do. But for the purposes of this section, I'm just going to focus on what you do. If that makes sense, say I. So this is not all about it. So I'm about to tell you. You know, the thing about the Buffinis, we believe you're entitled to our opinion. But I have put a lot of thought into this, and I have studied it, and I will say this, I can't find another answer. I can't find another answer. Of everything I've read, fanatical reader, studier, researcher, I've been growing myself personally for over three decades in a voracious way. The people I've met, the experiences I've had, the things I've read and studied, I cannot find a different answer than this. For my purpose and your purpose. And I'm going to put it all down into one word. Your purpose, my purpose, our purpose is to serve. If Zig Ziglar says, I've never met a happy, self-centered person, what's the opposite of that? It's a person who's outwardly focused. The great Albert Schweitzer, a brilliant, brilliant man on so many levels, won Nobel Prize. He could have won the Nobel Prize in three categories. He said, the purpose of human life is to serve and to show compassion and the will to help others. Now, here's how people get to it. Brian, I can see how you're all about impacting and improving the lives of people. You're good. You got money. Things are great. You got a jet. You got this. You got that. Now you can focus on that stage of your life where you can serve. And that's how people think about it. And it's once I get there, I'll do this. You know, it's like the people say, you ever had a client who said, you know, once I get that bigger house, I'm going to start exercising. I need a room for the gym. Well, there's one down the street for $24. You don't have to buy square footage for it. You start now and you serve where you are with what you have. It can be in the smallest of ways. So here's what serve means, according to Mr. Webster. It's to bestow the labor of body and mind to the benefit of another. The labor of body and mind to the benefit of another. Mind and body. And it can be either or or both together. Does that make sense? Muhammad Ali said it this way. Service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Pretty cool. Now, this is important. Why am I even speaking about this if it's so natural to us? Success requires being countercultural. Service requires being counter to our nature. How many times have you heard me talk about don't follow the crowd? Do the opposite. The crowd's leading you this way. Here's what the culture's saying. Not just for the sake of railing against the machine. Just don't fall in with the crowd. Because the crowd, it's not the top of the ladder that's crowded. It's the bottom of the ladder. Are you guys hearing me? But to serve, we have to actually be contrary to our nature. We actually have a few things going against us that tell us don't serve. And I want to walk you through this. Okay? And this is all good. This is like a big group hug. And we all talk about what we got going on inside. Here's the first one. Let's start off with the most uplifting and positive one. Selfish. And I'm not talking to you, but I'm probably talking to the person sitting next to you that you brought. First, a concern for one's own welfare at the expense of others. Now, we rarely think that. But that's always the way the collateral damage is. Now, I'm talking to a group of people that by nature, knowing many of you for years and years and years, you're in the service business. You guys are the best at it. Your clients love you because you're terrific at it. 
and you're serving, 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 and when you actually finally get around to doing something for yourself, you almost feel awkward. How many of you ever have that experience? Let me see your hands, okay? And we're going to examine all of this. These are not who we are. These can be the influences on us. These are the influences on our nature. Are you guys with me? So here's the first one, being self-consumed, which is having all of our thoughts, most of our thoughts, the majority of our thoughts throughout the day being about us, our condition, our circumstances, what we have, what we don't have, where we are, who's not doing this for me, who's not paying me that respect, who's disrespecting me, who's not loving me, who's not this, who's not that, who's not doing this for me. We get caught up in our own thoughts, and the world is, we have Self Magazine. We are into self. Self is a big deal. It's a big business. It's a growth industry. Would you guys agree? Here's a great quote. If you live your life as if everything is about you, you will be left with just that, just you. Okay, next uplifting part. So let's get to the next joyous one, self-centered. Oh, we're building, we're building. We all know the Greek mythology, Narcissus. Narcissus is the Greek god that fell in love with his own reflection to the point that he looks into the pond and he's admiring himself so much that he falls in and drowns. We have a lot of that going on today. Since 2012, the world selfie has grown in popularity by 17,000%. Take a selfie. Take a selfie. Take a selfie. Take a selfie. (laughs) My kids showed me something the other day. Apparently, there's Instagram models that have seven different moves on how they make their butt look on a picture. 93 million selfies are taken every day. Are selfies good things, yes or no? Yeah, great stuff. But this is where we're at, and it's what we do all the time. (laughs) And so we developed a dynamic that we can take pictures of ourselves. I mean, Narcissus never took a selfie, but he would if he could. And then self-indulgent means that we basically allow our appetites and the things that we want to overtake us. Aristotle came from Dublin. Many people don't know that. We used to call him Aristotle. And he's a self-indulgent man, craves for all pleasant things, and is led by his appetite to choose these at the cost of everything else. It's true 2,500 years ago. It's true today. We're talking about serve. I want to bring up the fact that we have to be counter to our nature, counter to the culture. We have to kind of go in a different direction, be a little different than where we are and what we are. And so as you go through those dynamics... It's just important. Now, we're in the service business. That's what we got to be about. But I'm going to share with you, when you really get your head around this, and when you really get your eyes on this, and you serve where you are, it will absolutely change everything for you. So let's talk about this, how to serve. Are you guys ready for the happy news? You ready for the happy news? Because if there's any group on the planet that's more predisposed to this, it's you guys. And for many of you, have been on this journey for a lot of years and grown and grown and grown. Now you're ready. And so let's get down into it. So let me give you some how-tos on how you can rise up to serve. First, notice a need. Notice a need. How do you notice a need? You're paying attention. And who are you paying attention to? Everybody. You're paying attention to the people around you, the people in your family, the people you come in contact with. Notice a need. Notice a need. And I'm going to share with you, it's the smallest things that mean the most to people. It's the smallest things. Just notice a need. Notice a need. Smallest thing. You know, I think we were given a great gift in Ireland because for us, growing up, Ireland was a third world economic 
country and up until the 1980s. I didn't really get going to the Celtic Tiger in the early 90s. And so a big part of our country's economy was hospitality and tourism. And so as a nation, we just became, we're kind of naturally gifted in some of those areas, but as a nation, just became extraordinarily hospitable. And when you're providing fantastic hospitality for somebody, you're noticing their needs and providing their needs. Does that make sense? And so, you know, this is nothing new. In ancient times, it was truly, I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters, you do for me. Great verse. The little things mean a lot. Need a lot. So you notice a need. Here's the second thing. You fill a need. You fill a need. You notice the need, then you fill the need. Give me the smallest of things. I'm going to quote him. He's hanging with the redhead today. But he said, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough people get what they want. I've lived that. I have seen the benefit of that. Someone told me a long time ago, yeah, I can't outgive God. Now, how many of you have ever given and given and given to somebody and they've never really reciprocated? Can I see your hands? And it can be disappointing. But here's the thing. When you give without that expectation, some will give. And some will give in a way that will blow your mind. How many of you have clients that refer you and endorse you and just can't do enough for you? Can I see your hands? Where would you rank that on the most rewarding part of the business? And so what happens is you have to serve a lot and give a lot to find some of those people, right? Now, here's the next thing. You do it for the joy of it. You know, in all this conversation, it sounds a little serious. It sounds like it's not any fun. It's the best. It's the best. Mother Teresa, who went to a convent a mile from our home in Dublin, obviously. <laughs> joy is a sign of generosity. When you're full of joy, you move faster, and you want to go about doing good to everyone. Okay? Here's the next thing. Be unconditional. Be unconditional. Don't do it to get it. Don't do it to get it. I got to tell you, in prepping for this event, and I have a team of people I work with, okay, guys, and I put the content together and so on and so forth. Okay, find me stats and quotes and this and that, and let's research this and research that. And then they put all this together, and we start grinding through. And I was trying to find things on service. And you try this yourself. You try Google service and serving and this and that and the other. And what you will find is one after the other the other the opposite of being unconditional, okay? Here's what we saw when we did this. We got volunteering. Seven big reasons why serving others serves us. On the church sites, eight blessings we get from serving. Next, giving to others is the greatest gift you can give to yourself, the seven scientific benefits of helping others. And if you study the net like I have, and it's like, here's what you get, here's what you get, here's what you get, here's what you get. You owe it to yourself to give it to others because so much is coming back. Now, I'm going to make the point that there is nothing more generous than when you give, you will receive. You give it out in slices, it comes back in what? It comes back in loaves. I promise you that. It's true. It's like a law of gravity, the law of the harvest, the laws of cause and effect. It is. But we're so screwed up in our culture today. Here's what you get. Let me give you the seven things you'll get if you take a little step to give to this person. That is not serving and giving. Are you guys with me? It's about being unconditional. Here's the next one. You ready for some fun? Practice smiling. I know you haven't smiled since I started talking. Here it is. You ready? Here's my two favorite words. Be generous. Be generous. Generosity has nothing to do with how much you have. Years ago, there was a thing called Live Aid. Do you remember Live Aid in the 80s? 
and all the artists got together. It was started by Bob Geldof from the Boomtown Rats, an Irish band, of course. And this became this worldwide phenomenon. People were starving. And so the musicians got together. They did it first in Europe, and then they did it in America. And just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars were given. You know, proportionally, and again, I know I'm not just turning this into a commercial for the Emerald Isle. I'm giving you context. Percentage-wise, nobody gave even close to the Irish. Percentage-wise of what the Irish had, they gave three times that of any other country involved in live aid. And at the time, the country of Ireland's economy was the poorest economy of all the countries involved in live aid. We watched this growing up. I don't know how our mother did it. You know, we used to say she used to do the loaves and fishes every night. You know, doing it once in a while is impressive, but every night was really something. But she didn't just feed us. She would somehow make something for the neighbors, and if there were kids in the neighborhood, they came and eat, you know, and if they were fast enough and could use a knife well enough to defend themselves, they got to eat too. (laughs) Here's a great quote. Generosity is what keeps the things we own from owning us. Be generous. It's the greatest thing in the world. It is awesome. How many of you have ever heard of a woman called Oprah Winfrey? Now, people think, you know, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Here's the thing. Long before she could ever give people a car, she was doing that. That's the thing. We think, oh, once you become a billionaire, you get to give people cars. No. You got to give the little before you give the large. And I'm going to say this. That woman was on her path to being a billionaire because she kept growing herself into who she would be and who she will become. And along with this came the spirit of helping and serving. I read this great book. Let me give it to you. This helped my life. Let me give it to you. And by along the way, here's this opportunity. And if you watch her face, nothing ever fires her up more than the opportunity to give. Have you ever seen those shows? I dig that. Like my favorite thing about Mastermind is if I can surprise you, if I can give you something you weren't expecting, if I can go the extra mile, make something for you, be generous. And by the way, It expands you. It expands you. It expands you. It makes your heart and head and everything in your life grow. And you give it out in slices. It does come back in loaves. But that's God's job. That's not our job. Are you guys with me? It's a truth. It's true. You throw it up, it's coming back down. Law of gravity. Cause, effect. It happens. But you get to live in it. Now, that's just the byproduct. Now, here's the next thing. And this is where the payoff comes for an audience like you. We have to grow so we can serve. And now this is where it gets into that tasty morsel of personal growth and development. Grow so you can serve. So I'm going to give you the advice you heard on your flight here. Number one, put your own oxygen mask on first. You ever heard that? Put your own oxygen mask on first. Jack Wells said it this way, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is about growing others. Jack's like, hey, He's talking in a business context. Hey, grow yourself in this company. And then as a leader, your job is to grow other people. Let me tell you, you don't become a great company. If, it, if Buffini & Company is Brian Buffini & Company, we are toast. The day I have laryngitis or something, whatever else, there's nothing here. Hopefully what we're building is something more than one fella. And what that requires is that the people that we have as leaders have to grow other leaders. That's their job. They need to grow as people to the point they can grow other leaders. That's the key. Second, the more you grow, the more you can give. It's awesome. The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. 
I wish I could help. I wish I could help. You do the right thing, do the right thing, you can help. I love this, Pablo Picasso. This afternoon when John Andrasik's here, we're going to talk about the power of creativity and how music and his particular art can help you rise up. Pablo Picasso knew this. He said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Meaning of life, find your gift. Purpose of life, give it away. Is that all there is to be said on that? No, but is that powerful? Here's how it can show up day to day. In the simple, the small, the most profound. And I'll just use one example. Honestly, I could use hundreds and hundreds of you in here as examples. We do these good life stories of people we've coached as an encouragement to people. This particular one is about Joseph Cortez from Houston. And so Joseph is a realtor. He got into business, you know, came from having a job background in his family. He wasn't used to being an entrepreneur. Kind of when the market changed, he didn't make it. Gets back into the business, starts up with us, gets the ball rolling, gets his business going. Now he's taking care of his young family. Things are good. And then all of a sudden, Houston gets hammered with their hurricane and the floods and all that stuff. And so Joseph goes, okay, my area in Corpus Christi is devastated. What can I do? What can I do? I can't save the whole thing, but can I save that one starfish? And so he set about going, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I want to change my goals. Here's what I need to take care of my family and the retirement and the savings and do all that. Here's how many transactions I need to do. And he started setting goals to do extra transactions so he could give to the people in his local community that were affected by this giant flood. Does that make sense? Right where he was, serving right where he was. No big drama thing. This is not going to make CNN. Nobody's going to know about it. He served right where he was and how it's changed him and his business. Joseph is here somewhere. Joseph, where are you at? Can I see you? I know you're kind of a private fellow. Where's Joe? Hey, bud. And I know there's hundreds and hundreds of you in here doing the same thing. And what I'm here to tell you is you're awesome. You're doing it. You're killing it. You're on purpose. You're getting it done. And they might not run a story with you on the evening news. That's okay. It's being counted where it counts. And no one, it will be more blessed than you, but that's just the beautiful byproduct. We do it to do it. And then in the meantime, we take care of business, okay? Joseph knows, talking to his coach, your first place for you to serve is your family. You need to pay your mortgage. You got to pay the bills. You got dance lessons. You got this. You got to do it. That's first goal. Get that done. Make sure you're serving where it's closest to you. Make sure you're serving where it's connected. And so on you go. The next piece about growing so you can serve. Number three, the more you grow, the better a role model you'll become. John Wooden, the great coach, said, being a role model is the most powerful form of education. It's just powerful stuff. So we're going to do a little exercise, and then I'll tell you a couple of stories. This is just something that we're going to do a little writing exercise. We're going to play some soft classical music. Try not to get up and around for the next minute or two. And this is just to start the process. I have three questions. I recorded a podcast as well I'll tell you about that'll help you take this lesson further because I'm all about helping you, you know, do something, take a major step, okay? So here's the three questions. Number one, who do you want to help? Number two, how do you want to help them? And number three, what would be the desired outcome? Who do you want to help? How do you want to help them? What would be the desired outcome? Who do you want to help? How do you want to help them? What would be the desired outcome for those people? Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play our soft, classical, Baroque-style music. You're not going to get this all figured out now. All I want to do is challenge you to think, throw anything down that comes to mind, 
And then we're going to keep cultivating this as we go. And then I've got a podcast I'll share with you that will help you some further. And this will help you down the path. All I'm trying to do is not put something into you. I'm just trying to pull something out of you. Thoughts and ideas, things you've done that have kind of lit you up a little bit. You've had a little bit of a tuning fork. You've had that feeling of generosity and giving and serving. The smile you put on somebody's face. What were those things? Bring those back to your remembrance. Write down what you can. Whatever comes to mind, doesn't matter. Just throw something down. Okay, all right, finish up. We're not doing our entire plan for humanity right now. And I mentioned, I, I recently did a podcast with a gentleman by the name of Ken Coleman. Ken Coleman works with Dave Ramsey, and he leads his Entree Leadership Group for their small business owners. Ken and I become good pals. He's known as a brilliant interviewer, and so we did a, an interview of him called The Power of One Question. And one of the things that Ken has dedicated his life and where his tuning forks has really happened is helping people kind of discover their mission and their purpose. And we take even those three questions and go a little deeper. I think if you listen to that over and over again, it will take the stuff that's whirring around in your head and go even further very, very powerfully. I'm going to do this. I don't share this story very often because it has a faith component to it. And in our world today, stories of faith are often communicated in such a clumsy way it causes negative reactions all over the place. But this, for me, is one of the steps to me being actually here with you today. And it might give you an example. And again, this is not the path for you to follow, but to give you an example of how doing what's in front of you, you step out. And I'm going to share it. Like I said, it has this faith component, but I just want to tell you how it happened. I want to tell you how it changed me and what it led to. So I'm going on an appointment. By the time I'm 25, I used to say I was wrapped pretty tight. I'm, I am like a Tibetan monk compared to what I used to be, okay? God bless my wife. I mean, I, I was always wrapped and on it. And then you get this motorcycle accident. And when I come to America and I owe huge money and I'm by myself and I'm working from the worst place and it made already a fairly driven guy kind of nuts, you know? And then I get into the craziest business known to humankind selling real estate. And it made a nuts guy even nutsier. And so I am selling homes at a huge rate and da da bum 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 I'm married. I have two kids. By the time I'm 25, I'm married with two kids. Got a real estate practice. I'm the number five realtor in the state of California. And so I go on an appointment one night and I have two more appointments after it. So I have a, I have a seven o'clock listing appointment and I have an eight and a nine as well. I was like... We're going to get this done. Let's go. And this was a situation where, uh, you know, you do your discovery and you do whatever else. And the couple said they were selling the house and they were selling the house so that they could get a divorce. Uh, how many of you have ever been on listing appointments like that? Okay. And, you know, usually it's pretty obvious. Yep. Okay. They're not making a, a bad decision here. Okay. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, how many of you have been in those and it's just like, you know, it's okay. These are two good people. They're just not good for each other. And, you know, sometimes it's World War III, sometimes they won't talk, sometimes you can't get them all in the room, all those kinds of stuff. This was not one of those situations. This was the exception by far. So I go on the appointment, they're showing me around the house, and there was just, there was, there was just good chemistry with these people. It was awkward, but they're showing me around the house, and I could tell. And there were still some very gracious interactions, and this and that and the other and whatever else. And it turned out that this house was probably more than they could afford at the time. He had had a readjustment in his 
job. He was a salesman, and they reduced his territory, and he was making less money. And so it put financial strain on him. And he still wanted to keep his promises and still wanted to provide the lifestyle. And he felt a failure, so he kept doing it. Now they got this behind, and they're behind on this. And so they say, well, what will make our problems go away is to sell the house. And they kind of come to the conclusion. It was kind of like, once the house is sold, you know, what are we going to do? And she, she was going to go back with her mom. And it was like the house was the burden. Now, they had other challenges going on, right, and this and that and the other. When I'm sitting down, I'm doing a listing appointment. I'm 25 years of age. These people are, you know, probably late 30s, maybe 40. I am there. I'm going through my pre I'm asking a bunch of questions. And pretty soon, I'm in the pre and I'm like, Jakers. This thought kept coming to me. Like, man, these guys shouldn't be selling this house. Like, they need help with their finances and get squared away, but they shouldn't be mixed and selling their house with getting a divorce. These two things don't seem to go together. So I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here. Have you ever been in a situation like this? And like, should I say something? Should I not? Is this appropriate? Is this inappropriate? And whatever else. And I just, I was like, okay. And I just had the quickest primary love. God help me. And I just, I closed the book. And I put it aside. And I said, can I talk to you guys for a second? And I stepped out. And I got to tell you, I was terrified of doing this. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I said, uh, can I talk to you about something? I said, uh, you know, I'm a realtor. And you asked me to come here and list your house. I've been in these situations a few times. You guys just don't seem to be a couple that should be getting divorced. Just to me, I don't know everything here, but it seems like this house is the burden. And if we could get this house squared away and the financial thing's kind of stabilized, that maybe you could give yourselves a chance and maybe that's what would happen here. Fricking silence. And we Buffinis are very good with silence. (laughs) So I'm screwed. I don't know where to go. It's just silence, silence, and now it's like the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, there's the three people, and they're just... So I said, okay, I'm probably getting sued. I'm probably already in trouble. I might as well go for it. And I did the only thing I know to do, and I said, would it be all right with you two if I prayed for you? Like, if I'm going, I'm going to get done all the way. Okay, if I'm going to get hung, I want to commit the crime. So I get up out of my chair, and I stand up behind these two, and I put my hands on their shoulders, and I prayed out loud over both of them, and I just prayed, and the tears are flowing down as I'm talking, and the next thing you know, these two shoulders start shaking, and when I look up and we all say amen, their two hands are together. So... I had a friend of mine named Dr. Andy Peterson, who was my best client who was this very talented counselor. They'd never been to counseling. They'd never even, they couldn't think they couldn't afford it. And he ran a nonprofit that they could do this kind of counseling for free. And we connected the two and did the whole thing and yada, yada, yada. And that couple never did sell their house at me. They never did sell their house at all. And it was the greatest listing appointment I was ever on in my life. And I didn't get it. So, put that aside. A couple of years later, as I'm becoming more and more successful, I'm asked to speak and I'm doing this. I've been all over the world and travel all over Kingdom Come, but I'm really kind of a homebody. I don't like being away from home. I don't like being away from Beverly, obviously, and the kids. And I just, and so people kept asking me more and more to do the speaking. And I enjoyed it, but I wasn't going to do it. So Beverly came to hear me speak one time. And when I would go and, and speak at a conference or whatever else, I would do it as a guest and just do it for free, just to give back. 
she wouldn't sleep. If I was gone two days, she wouldn't sleep for two days. So I'm like, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. So I did one. I said, this will be the last one I do. Why don't you come? We'll go make a trip of it. We went out to Arizona to a resort called the Wigwam or something. And there was some real estate convention. It was the national convention for the company I work for. And can I speak? And I did this talk. And she comes to me afterwards and she says, you need to do this. You know, that, that's a gift you have. You love helping people. And you love helping them where you were struggling as a young realtor. And you love helping them. And you need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then she said something that changed my world. She says, what if you could do in a ballroom that you did for that couple in Oceanside years ago? Do you think you could help 100 people at a time the way you did two people? And I went, I don't know. And I thought, is there a way to speak to a giant ballroom full of people like you're the only person talking to them? And that started the journey. And so it was the simple things. And it was the simple thing of serving. And it was the thing of stepping out. And it was a scary thing for me. I didn't know who these people were or what it was. I'm not trying to proselytize them or stuff my religion up their nose or any of that stuff. I just, this is me. I'm, I'm going to give them what I have. I didn't know how to help them. I didn't know what to advise them. And it was this particular situation. But when I stepped out, I know something went on inside here. And so it's being faithful with the little things that change everything. This morning, we had a great time together talking about your purpose. And we had a lot of fun, a lot of laugh, and learned a lot of things. And this last section here, we talked about taking that purpose and sharpening it into how you can serve. And you can serve everywhere you go all the time. So can I. And I want to share with you the end result of this. You know, years and years later and years and years on the road later, whatever else. When I fully embrace the whole concept, my job is to try to serve, serve, build a company that serves, serves. And you guys have witnessed this. I have been trying to outgive you guys for 22 years. For 22 years. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I have never successfully done that. I have never been able to outgive you guys. It's unbelievable. No matter what we do to serve you, to bless you, to blow you away, you have always done so much more. And we, okay, we've got to come up with this next thing, and we'll do this and this and this to serve these fights. And you come back unbelievably. We brought in consultants. They go, what are you doing here? And you cut costs there and you don't need to be giving them that. They're like, no, they say they want it. They say they need it. We're going to give them and give them and give them. And you guys have given more and more and more. And it's such a beautiful thing. And at the end of the day, people are always asking me for how to be successful. And I always feel like I can't tell them the real answer. People come all the time. They want to duplicate the feeding company. Great. Give everything away. Give and give and give. And I have sat here and I've never really thought about what I... I honest to God, I don't sit around going, what am I going to get out of this? But I tell you, you people have changed my life in the most magnificent way. You've changed my family's life. Because we're committed. You've changed the people in our company. Our Christmas party is like the wildest thing you ever saw. Because you go, okay, how many of you have changed your life? And they're like, me, me. It's the whole bleeding group. Because we're united and given to you and given to you and given to you. And I'm just saying, you witness it, see it. And you're part of it. You are this. This is your nature. This is who you guys are. You're the best at it. And I just want you to lead in it. And I want you to know that, yes, sometimes you'll give and you won't receive. Keep giving. Sometimes you'll be generous and unconditional and people will be conditional and miserly. Keep giving. Find the need, fill the need, serve unconditionally, be generous and be filled with joy in it. And it will blow your mind. You guys are part of that here and your database, your clients, your family, your community, your friends, you can have that with them. 
in whatever vehicle that takes place in, in however small or big you decide to go, it will transform you. Wow, I hope you feel challenged and encouraged by this amazing content. If you'd like to join us in San Diego for our next Mastermind Summit, visit buffiniandcompany.com to get your ticket to this powerful event. As I leave you today, please enjoy this Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Thank you.